Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings VidCast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nick Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one, I'm going to make a tremendous departure for. I'm going to go with a word that has F as the first letter of its last syllable because it's schadenfraud and i'm going to do it because we're all watching mac jones uh struggle to complete passes on preseason football and we are all getting a lovely dose of schadenfraud as a reminder the entirety of the buffalo rumblings vidcast network is presented by picasso's pizza treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day, Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza, shipping locally and nationwide at picassospizza.net. This show, this show, as always, brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty lines with beers like the soon-to-be-delivered-to-Bruce Pineapple Kolsch and Oktoberfest Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. You know, Nate, Talk to everybody about how nice of a guy I was last week. But it's time. Nate's a real mensch. Nate's a real mensch. He is sending me some pineapple kolsch and some specialty mustard. And I am so excited. I am so excited to get these things. I was just telling this to Bruce, too, before we got on. It's funny because they don't make very many beer, you know, like 12-pack beer mustard, single mustard jar combo boxes out there. So I had to get a little creative. Got to do what you got to do. Nate, are you ready for tonight? I am. As a reminder, I mean, yeah. like, subscribe, rate, review, hit all of the buttons. Just all of the engagement buttons, all the buttons that set off wonderful endorphins in our brains or wonderful 
ramifications through the remainder of the algorithm. Hit all those buttons. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Also, any YouTube super chat greater than $10 gets a Genesee pint glass. Follow at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary Sports. Proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address and he will get that to you. Nate, we had real Buffalo Bills football. Actual Buffalo yeah. Bills football. Yep. And we're going to talk about it. And it's going to be amazing. Now, it's not going to be quite the same. You know, it was weird. I did the Bruce exclusive this week. And the Bruce exclusive on game week is very different than the Bruce exclusive on not game week. Because Bruce exclusive on game week is really digesting the narratives from the game. But narratives from preseason games are tough. <laughs> so well, it's always are. weird. And we're going to talk about overreacting and underreacting two small sample sizes and we're going to start off by breaking the ice the way we always do with a wonderful food story nate hmm. a food you overreacted to whether positively or negatively after the first time you had it you know i didn't think about this from the positivity standpoint of a food that i was like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and then it just turned out to be like okay after a couple of bites uh i thought about it from the other end which was I've always, I was always, listen, I was never a seafood guy growing up. My mom didn't like seafood. So therefore, ipso facto, I didn't get very much seafood uh, at home. You know, I wasn't having white fish. I wasn't having, um, you know, lobster or I wasn't having salmon particularly. You know I mean? I didn't have any of those uh, fish for dinner. So sushi was always a thing for me that I sort of just de facto stayed away from because A, I didn't really ever like seafood. So why in God's name would I like or enjoy raw seafood? I mean, it just, it, the two didn't connect for me. And as you know, Bruce, doing this podcast with me for now over a year, what you know about me is I'm a big texture guy. Texture means a lot to me, wh whether or not I'm going to try a food, whether or not I'm going to likely enjoy a food. A lot of it has to do with the texture that I'm sort of working with of the food. And sushi to me, the raw, cold fish with cold rice wrapped up in seaweed really none of that sounds good bruce none if of you explain good. sushi to someone they go wait what <laughs> like but like when and when did you cook it like when no you don't cook it oh so like when did you like you know season it and 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 did did, did you marinate it no 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 we didn't we just cut fresh fish so about did you use some like you know mexican rice maybe some adobo no no just just white rice but you know, surely you 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 did something with the seaweed. No, <laughs> nope, it's dried. Yeah. So you're like, uh, uh, but you know, I'll say this: first time I had um, real sushi was at the Fuji Grill, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Fuji Grill. I don't know if it's a national chain or not, but it's a chain here in Western New York. There's a couple of them. Um, I don't think it's a national chain. I think it's a local chain. Um, but they had this dragon roll that had tempura, uh, tempura shrimp. And then there was a raw oh tempura shrimp and tuna, and then like a spicy sauce, a miso sauce, and like oh it was very good. It was the first time I ever tried seafood or uh, sushi, and it got me into it. Um, but even then, I still was a texture thing. And now I actually like sushi. I mean, I like sashimi more. Like I would rather have a uh, Bruce like a white fish that's been um, and what would they call this? Um, oh shit, my girlfriend's upstairs. She could probably tell me you know, ce ceviche. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Ceviche. I think I I think I'm more of a ceviche guy because I like the acidy, um, you know, the lemon juice or whatever else they might be using, the vinegar base that they're going to be using in a ceviche to, to 
de facto cook the fish, right? I mean, it's not cooking the fish, but it's I forget what it's called when you cook raw fish with sand, with uh, acid. Do you know? Do you know what it's called, Bruce? Do you know the technical term for it? Raw fish with acid? No, I don't. Yes, it's, it's um. I, well, someone. I bet you Karen would know in our chat because she seems to be kind of like the de facto uh, knowledgeable person on uh, on all things food and she listens every week so i'm sure she's going to come back with a witty response here uh but sushi bruce i'm going with that because at first it really was not a thing that i ever thought i'd like um then i kind of tried it and then now i've sort of dipped my feet into raw fish way more than i ever thought i would wow you know my wife just recently had sushi for the first time was not a was not a huge fan didn't didn't love it but didn't hate it but i've talked about this before on the show my wife has a condition very serious condition called decaying opinion syndrome. It's DOS. I say she runs on DOS. Decaying opinion syndrome. And what happens is that when she just finishes something and she looks at me and she goes, it was okay. If I ask her about that exact same thing a week later, she'll go, ah, I didn't really like it very much. And if she tells the story of that thing she ate three months from now, she'll go, oh man, I hated it. Just the opinion just gets worse and worse and worse the farther we remove her from it. But she recently had sushi. For me, the thing that I overreacted to the first time was I overreacted to an Ohio chain of pizza called Marco's. I had Marco's pizza when we used to live wow, in a different Marcos. place, and I hated it. I absolutely despised it. I was like, this tastes like spaghetti sauce. Like there is a difference between spaghetti sauce and pizza sauce and it tasted like spaghetti sauce on my pizza. I had it one time. I never had it again. Hmm. And anytime someone brought up Marco's, I would go, no, no, absolutely not. Nope. No, nope. <laughs> they had, they had spaghetti O can yeah. spaghetti yeah. sauce as the, that's tough. There were only, there are only two individual pizza places over the course of my entire life where I have not finished my slice of pizza. Nate, Your slice. the absolute, I did not finish my slice. The absolute heresy of heresies when wow. it comes to pizza. I did not finish my slice. The first Sacramento. one was Marco's. The second one was Checkers. But I had Marco's years later. Years later. And it was it was fine. They changed was from uh, they changed from SpaghettiO sauce to beefaroni sauce. Something happened. Either it was me or it was it. But you, the, when the I little, had it, uh, the customer feedback card that you filled out mm. talking about how terrible your experience was changed Marco's. Uh, it, it, it changed everything about their culture. Bruce, you you changed Marco's. They should call it Bruce's. They should call it Bruce's. Bruce. It's a Bruce Spruce. That's what it was. Bruce. That's what happened. Bruce. A Bruce Spruce. Bruce, Bruce. I spruced it up. Yes, a Bruce Bruce. Okay, yes. A Bruce yes. Bruce. <laughs> By the way, if I may, uh, ceviche is actually the act. And so it's, ceviche is a fish that has not been heated. Instead, it's cooked by immersing it in acid. That's what it's. So ceviche is the, it, we know it's the noun, but it's also, is it also a verb? I, it, that's what it seems like. Like, do yeah. you ceviche something? I think that's it. Because like, ceviche is not a fish. It's how you eat the fish, or it's how it's, it's a prepared. method of cooking the fish. Yeah, it's how it's prepared, right? And it's not but done by any heat whatsoever. You can the the pro. Okay, it says as we just uh, one of the most important steps to cooking fish is the denaturation of proteins. This can be done by heat, but acids can do this as well. Now you there know. You go. 
There oh wait, is, is ceviche name ceviche's name of the dish? Right. So it's the name of the dish, but I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We we know nothing, Bruce. That's what I find on this show every day is we know nothing. No, nothing. And we're completely cool with that. We're fine with this. But yeah, here's what we do know. We do know that we have the ability to compare football games to food. Because if nothing else, that's that's what we do. Nothing else. If nothing else at all, that is what we have. So if Bill's Colts was a food, Nate, I'm going to go first on this one. Okay. If Bill's Colts was a food, it was specifically very spicy Indian curry. Oh. And I'll tell you why it was very spicy Indian curry. It's kind of sloppy. You eat it with your hands, typically. Uh, most people, you know, they eat it with their hands and some bread they use to pick up individual things with their fingertips. The end is the best part because you get to clean off your hands and deal with the ramifications. And more importantly, the entire goal is just to not die. Hmm. So in that way, the Colts-Bills game was a lot like spicy Indian curry. You know, you had some sloppiness, right? People walked out of that discussion of the game and said, you know, Case Keenum was pretty sloppy. Obviously, we had some receivers, had some balls bounce off their hands, some sloppiness on offense. Second-team offensive line left something to be desired. You know that. The ending was the best part, you know, Matt Barkley going down, Isaiah Hodgins, pass after pass after pass. Matt Ariza holding the game-winning field goal, even though it's the preseason. So kind of sloppy, ending the best part, and most importantly, nobody got hurt. That's the most important thing. It the is number the one goal thing. of eating Indian food that's really spicy is not dying. That is the number one goal. Just make it through alive. And if you do then at least some semblance of success can be considered to have been had. So in that way, Bills versus Colts preseason week one is spicy Indian curry. Nate? I like that a lot. You went with a specific route. I'm going to go with a food item that is a very specific timing that it's served. The reason is you eat it technically first. It's usually the first thing that's brought to the table when you go to a restaurant, particularly an Italian restaurant, right? It's the basket of white bread, right? In some cases, that could be fresh white bread. Maybe they make it in the house and it's really tasty. But the thing you always have to remember about white bread is it can kind of ruin the rest of your meal if you overeat it. If you overanalyze the preseason or if you put too much stock in the preseason, you know, you're you're likely going to A, you know, set yourself up for failure later down the road. B, the, you might have an injury and it might co totally derail all the plans you're making by watching this game. So the important part is you can enjoy a little bit of preseason football. You can have a piece of bread. You can dip it in the oil with the herbs and all the deliciousness in it. You know, you can have maybe another piece and dip it in some sauces if you got it on the table. But dipping in for the third piece of bread is a recipe for disaster, much like taking too much stock into the preseasons. That was good. We nailed that. We nailed as, that. As both, of us, both of us absolutely crushed that. As it's the best thing. part of the show. Hands down, the best part of the show is how can they somehow continually how do, it, it's the it's the scene from Breaking Bad. How does he keep getting away with this? It's the exact <laughs> same thing. How do they keep getting away with this? How do they keep finding food metaphors for games? Just just insane. Absolute. I don't I don't know. I don't it's almost like they I don't even have to think of them anymore. They just they just they they 
they exist in my brain almost all week and I think of them all week. Mm. It's a great, it's a great, pl- listen, when you got food for thought in the brain, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. JR says, Nate was unaware of salt potatoes. Gavin says, what are salt potatoes? So salt potatoes are exactly what they sound like. They're a Syracuse dish. Ironically, if I know, if I know, if I, if I'm pulling this correctly, salt potatoes are from, uh, uh, central Northern New York. Correct. Is that right? Am I am I correct with my regional with my regional foods here? I know that. Yeah, they're from Syracuse. Okay, I'm yeah. not a salt potato guy. I've know. never had salt potatoes, so yeah, it's not it's not something I've ever done before. Um, it, you it's super duper cooked in super duper salty water, so it performs like a like a like a salty crust on their hmm. skin. Hmm. And when you normally boil potatoes you boil them and you you typically skin them to mash them and things like that because you know you're boiling potatoes you know they are semi-permeable so they end up kind of filling up a little bit with kind of waterlogged right but that salt crust keeps that from happening the salt crust or crust crust oh okay we can we can make a crest of, of salt you know if you're really if you're really huge on syracuse salt potatoes then i think perhaps you could have like a crest like a family crest and a you just family crest. pass it. Yeah. You just pass it down from generation to generation. You tell your grandparents about it. You use your grandkids about it. And you go now, son, little Jimmy, Johnny, Jenny, this is the family crest. It's just one gigantic potato filled with salt. And we, we <laughs> fight and die for this crest. And anyone who does not share this crest is an enemy of the family and must be destroyed. Wow. This really got out of hand fast. Yeah, I know. And you know, it got a little dark too. <laughs> Like the, where the path you were leading down, I'm not sure that's somewhere I want to go, Bruce. I I'm gonna tell you what. When my crest at the end of my days, when my family's got a crest, it won't be made of salt. If you if you had a crest, if the Geary family had a crest, Nate, what would it be? Salt would be included. In fact, salt would be a key component. It would just be a giant hunk of corned beef brisket. Nice. It just would just be carved in. It would just be carved into corned beef brisket. That's good. Mine would literally be two individuals standing on opposite sides of the crest. <laughs> it would be two plain white pieces of toast. <laughs> no butter. On com- no on butter. completely opposite yes. sides of the thing. Just leave me yes. alone. Just two pieces of toast in a toaster, unbothered. They're, they haven't even been pushed down. They're just, they just exist. They don't touch. They don't talk. They don't look at each other. Calvin says, Bruce sounds a little excited for Game of Thrones this week. Apparently, uh, the spinoff House of the Dragon or something like that. I don't have HBO Max. So I, do, I, will I, not, I refuse to watch that show. I will not be watching the game. I still haven't finished the, fir- the, the first Game of Thrones because, of course, Absolutely. I don't have HBO Max like we've talked about. I'm actually trying to wrap up. My wife is out of town this weekend again, and I am trying to wrap up uh, one of my watch throughs of Key and Peele. Um, I love Kean. I'm love Kean. I am a great show. massive Kean Peel fan, and I think I've seen all the episodes at least a couple times. And I'm I'm working my way through the most recent watch through of that show, and I'm trying to uh, trying to get it done. I recently it's saw uh, yes, I recently saw the East West Shrine Game one, and okay. I, I, I I've seen it a million times. I still cry. I laugh until I cry. I absolutely just. I'm like hysterical and anything that can make me laugh like that, anything that can make me laugh 
so hard I can't breathe. Those moments are special. You know, <laughs> we just don't get a lot of those moments in life. And when you no, get them, not. it just, it just, it just means a lot. So for me, absolutely 100% massive fan of Key and Peel. I'm going to try and finish it up. I'm also going to uh, go, I'm actually going to go out, believe it or not. I'm going to go out tomorrow and meet an acquaintance. And we are going to watch the, the UFC fight, I think. So, so I, I'm going to tell you what, I've recently started getting into UFC. Well, betting UFC. Um, it's yeah. a rush. It's a rush betting UFC. Dude. I it's will. I, if you decide you want to get in there, man, you tell me. I will. I will hook you up. I will hook uh, you up. I, I'm in. I mean, say say less, Bruce. I, I, will. Or say more, I will. Or say more. Or say more. Just I'm going to move on, on to what are you looking for? <laughs> yes. From the starters against Denver. I don't want to make it so, overly easy, Bruce, and I don't think you do either. But I. Both of them, we agree, it's just get through as healthy as possible. Just don't die, like the Indian Don't curry. die. Don't <laughs> die. Yeah, don't right. do what the curry did to whoever ate that curry. Yes, I agree. Do not do that. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Along Came Polly? <laughs> oh, yes, I have, sir. You remember the Indian food scene from Along Came Polly, of I'm assuming? Of course I did. Of course when, I, that, when I think about someone just trying not to die, eating Indian food, that's the scene I specifically think of. The sweating and the You mean Al Hafez? That was the name of the that was the name of the restaurant. Well played. Al Hafez. I know that, I know that movie very well. One of my favorite side characters of all time in any comedy. Sandy Lyles. Sandy Lyles. <laughs> yes. Rainmaker. <laughs> it's like the the part where uh he poops his pants and he's like, I sharded. We've got it. He's like, we got to get it. He's like, Shart, what do you mean? What is that? And I fired in a little piece of, you know, came out. <laughs> yes, that, that's the invention of the word. Shart. Shart. Yeah, okay, moving sure along. So, yeah. <laughs> so, hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What am I looking for from the starters against Denver? So obviously, like we talked about, don't die. Yes. Don't die. I want to see if the offensive line looks better running zone. That's what I want to see. I want to see, I'm assuming you're starting Josh Allen, so that means you're starting as many of the starters on the offensive line as humanly possible. I'm assuming you will run at least one zone running play. And it seems like to me, every single year, the Bills go into the season going, hey, we'd like to run more zone. And then by the end of the year, they're like, well, frick it. It didn't work. Let's do something else. It was the exact same way at the end of last year. By the end of last year, they were running a ton more Man gap zone, man gap runs versus zone runs. Man bear Singletary was was thriving. Yeah, he was thriving in that. But I don't think they want to do that. Like I don't think that's their natural state. I think they want to run more zone. So you go out and you change two pieces on your offensive line in order to get markedly more athletic. Because versus last year versus this year, obviously Spencer Brown is going to start this year, most likely assuming David Questenberry doesn't start and Spencer Brown's still recovering from an injury. So he's probably going to start. He's a freak athlete, as we talked about before. And Roger Saffold is a markedly better guard. I know it's, mm-hmm. you know, Roger Saffold is going to be the left guard and Ryan Bates is moving to right guard, but you have a much more athletic line at this time this year than you did at this time last year. So I want to see how they look running zone. You want to see James Cook, I'm sure, running zone. Because are you still on the yes. James Cook is going to potentially be the dude? Bruce, why would I Why would I backtrack? Why would I leave off of such a hot take knowing me? Would I ever back away from something like that? If anything, I would double down and try to bet you something crazy for it. Speaking of which, when do I get my lobster? Yeah, no, you, you, you got to come up. I know, I do. I'm sorry. I will. You, I've, maybe, I've, maybe, I've been, I've been busy. Maybe bye week. By week, yeah. Early, it's early by this week. year. It's October. You know, isn't that lobster season? October? I don't. Probably. I, I think it's Lob- every season. It's to- it's Locktoberfest. <laughs> I, well, I, I was I was thinking, uh, uh, is it is it, is it lobster, lobster days? Lobster days at Red Lobster. Yes. Gosh, I haven't been a Red Lobster in a million years for, for good reason. Liam says, "I'm looking for competence on my birthday. That's all I ask." Hey, Liam, happy, happy birthday. birthday ahead of time, my friend. Happy birthday ahead oh, of time for the bills. Not us. I got it. Okay. Okay. I, I thought it was from us. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Buddy. Good luck really getting competence yeah. from this group. Good luck. brother. You, you my friend have completely 100% overestimated what Nate and I are capable of on Absolutely a Friday right. night. Absolutely. Right. But we have, wait, I, I have to, I, I have to put what I'm looking forward to. Oh, I thought you said just don't die. No. Well, I that was your not, thing. I'm not going to, be that simplistic i'm not gonna be okay to be i'm ready i'm ready let's go i've got things i'm looking for and the first thing i'm looking for bruce is i'm really looking forward to seeing two guys get some run with the ones i don't think stefan diggs is going to play in this game i do think gabriel davis will get a, a drive or two but i think we're going to really get to see a little josh allen with khalil shakir and isaiah hodgins i think i think they've probably previewed that through some of the video i've seen from practice this week I think there that this coaching staff wants to see both of those get uh, elevated looks uh, with starters, with guys that if if they've got to step in, if they got to play, what does it look like? Um, Khalil Shakir 
had a really, really strong game in his first NFL action last week against the Colts. Isaiah Hodgins had, listen, I mean, I think this was two years ago, Drew and Chris from the Rock Power Report. They, and, and listen, don't ever say anything on Drew and Chris's podcast, even if it's in jest that you don't think they're going to go back and pull out from a podcast three years ago and play in a modern day setting. Um, they did that to me the last time I was at, I was doing the, the Rock Power Report, and they went back to that post-draft podcast from the Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins draft. Mm-hmm. And in there, I said that I actually liked Hodgins more than I liked Gabriel Davis coming out. So did I. Um, and that was one of my, you know, I guess burning – uh, scorching hot, or maybe it's cold take now, but because Gabriel Davis has turned into like an, a legitimate number two wide receiver in the NFL. Um, Hodgins flashed some of the things, frankly, more things than I thought he was capable of. I really pigeonholed him as like a big slot, a specialty type player, but there's a role for that guy in the NFL, in today's NFL. And any unique pass catching weapon, you're going to find your place on a 53 somewhere sometime uh, because passing in the NFL has become so widespread that you're looking for specialty guys. You're looking for the versatile guys for sure. But if you could find a guy that could play special teams and give you a, a verse, uh, like a, a specialty pass catching role, there's, there's a role in this league for you. And I think if you're looking at a guy like Isaiah Hodgins, can he play special teams? Because right now I think he's got the true edge over Jake Kumaro in terms of ability to play wide receiver. The question is, can he take over Jake Kumaro's places on special teams and not just take them over, but, do it admirably, do it well. So um, I think they're going to get some, I, they, they've earned a chance to get some run with Josh Allen and the starter. So I'm, I am looking forward to seeing both of those guys play. Um, and the other thing is I want to see week two of Terrell Bernard and Bale Inspector. Though I want to see what those guys look like after there's some film, after an opportunity to look at what they did well, what maybe they didn't do well and how they're going to apply those changes, the things they learned this week at practice um, against his Broncos team. So um, I, I kind of didn't necessarily go with a certain scheme or a certain play type um, or a subset of plays. I'm really looking at Bruce, two groups of players, I think on the offensive defensive side of the ball um, that I, that I think are going to really press to have roster spots. And, and Bruce, I'm going to tell you this, you know, we talk a lot about Brandon B and we talk about the drafting of, of Josh Allen and, and all the wonder he's done Um you know, throughout these last couple of drafts, finding, you know, Taron Johnson, finding, uh, you know, maybe it's this draft, Bruce. Uh, again, I don't want to overreact from one preseason game, but this draft has contributors throughout it. And if you get Isaiah Hodgins from two drafts to go to start contributing, well, now you've got a whole bunch of day three, day two picks um, that are not just contributing. You've got Gabriel Davis, you know, is, a, is turning into a legit, as I mentioned, a legitimate number two wide receiver. It's a day three pick, right? Um, like I, I keep thinking about all of the late picks this franchise is hitting on and that's how you stay good. That's how you Mm. extend your window when you are drafting guys in the third, fourth and fifth round that become contributing factors to your football team, because you know, you kind of know what you're going to get for the most part with a Brandon Bean team in the first and second round, you're going to get guys that can contribute and start for you. If you can start sprinkling in really good depth pieces, which this team prioritizes more than a lot of other teams is prioritizing depth. And if you can fill in the cracks and move on from a star Latula because you got a guy behind him, that's young. You can move on from a Jerry Hughes. Cause you got a guy that's young. You can start to turn over your roster little by little year by year with younger infusion of talent and speed and athleticism without having to sacrifice those top contracts at the top. And uh, Jr. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. 
This is exactly why the downfall we're seeing in, in New England is happening. Their depth, frankly, the top of their, their roster is not really that good any longer, but it's the depth to me, Bruce. That's the biggest difference. You can say what you want about Tom Brady covering a lot of holes. I never really thought that New England had a, always had a really great top of their roster, but you know what they did have is a bunch of really good depth pieces. They had three running backs that could all play. They had two or three guards that could all play interior offensive linemen, tackles, interior defensive line, corners, uh, linebackers. And now you're seeing that they're not hitting on those third, fourth, and fifth rounders. Now, it's not going to happen every year, but while they are in this window, Bruce, they are extending it little by little by hitting on these day three picks. Speaking of day three picks that hit, I want to pose a question to you. Mm. I talked about it a little bit on the Bruce exclusive, but I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about it. If the starting cornerbacks week one for the Buffalo Bills, for our Buffalo Bills, are Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, mm -hmm. how are you going to feel about that? Totally fine. It's not going to freak you out that the first no. round pick is behind? No, I, I thought, I, I think the thing we, we knew about him, he's 21 years old, Bruce. You know, he's a young player and out of the top corners he was definitely the most raw this is not people will tell you that sean mcdermott the leslie frazier system it, it does develop young corners and gets them to play maybe at a level that they when you're a corner that's used to playing press man and sec football and getting away with the athleticism at the and the the grabbing and the clawing at the line of scrimmage it's a transition to play zone in the NFL and understand the nuance, understand where to be, understand how quarterbacks are going to manipulate you based on the zones that you're playing, right? Um, the, the types of the, the types of things, offensive coordinators, the flood concepts that they're going to put you in the pickle, in the bind, and you have to start. You can really only learn those nuances, Bruce, especially at the cornerback position by playing more, by seeing some looks, by, um, you know, failing, frankly. So, um, I don't want to say I'm nervous or I'm surprised by the fact that if, if that, that were the case, um, I think that just further shows you that, um, you know, trading sixth and seventh picks aren't always throwaway picks. Yeah, they are when you don't hit on them. Right? Sure. <laughs> but sure. when you do, that's a cost-controlled asset that's that right. is really cost-controlled. And, you know, it's a four-year deal for a six-round pick. And, the best values in football. Every year, somebody out there does a article on the best values in football. And inevitably, it's some fourth to sixth round pick that ended up being an above or plus, plus starter on your team. And we saw it with Matt Milano for a long time. I had my discussions about Levi Wallace and his general average play during his time here. But yep. getting average CB, getting reasonable CB2 player from an undrafted free agent is, is an absolute winning. W. Winning. Absolute. Yep. You know what? John says that smashing like, smashing the like button prevents indigestion. That's so true. Let's go. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on TV. And they say that smashing the like button prevents indigestion. Love that. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Liam says going for that all-important 10th straight preseason win. I mean, yeah, you got to get the, the preseason streak going, you know. Do you remember when the Cleveland Browns 
went 4-0 in the preseason with a certain quarterback from Notre Dame who shall remain nameless because I don't want to upset you. Uh, and, you don't have to worry about upsetting me. I don't know if you can see this spot right here. Yeah. Right here on this wall. Yeah. There's going to be a signed Notre Dame Brady Quinn jersey that goes into that uh, into that nice. right there. So the Browns were 4-0 that preseason. And I remember listening to preseason narratives because you know when you watch a preseason game, you get the local announcers. That's from right. One of the teams. And I was getting the local announcers for the Browns that time. And they were talking about how important it was to establish a winning culture. Got to. With preseason. They went 4-0 in the preseason. They went winless <laughs> in the regular season. And I'll never forget that. It was one of the all-time, hey, this is funny, but I'm glad it ain't me. Yeah. Things that happens in sports. We just assume that winning in the preseason actually matters, but it is fun to get that. It is fun to consider. Sure. Why not? We have a mailbag question, Nate. We are going, we're going to the, to the lines. We're going to the phone lines on line one. We have Jeremy who says, Bruce and Nate, what is your favorite dish to prepare? Not your favorite dish to eat, but to prepare. Mine, he says, is garlic mashed potatoes. Mm. Conversely, what is your least favorite activity in the cooking process? For me, it's prep work. Take jambalaya, for example. I love eating it, but having to chop up the chicken, shrimp, Mm. sausage, vegetables, it's tedious. I love the final product, but getting there is a real pain in the ellipses. Mine is you. Mine's definitely the cleanup, Bruce. I hate cleaning up. I hate doing dishes. Uh, I just like to be able to make a giant. And I'm the guy that uses like a dish for everything. So like I'm using five different five different spoons, not rinsing it off and reusing it. You know, so I just there. It's like a war path has gone through whenever I cook, which is why I don't cook that much. Um, but my favorite thing to prepare, um, I am really starting to like the smoker. I'm starting to catch my groove, Bruce. Today, uh, I smoked for two and a half hours these uh, boneless, skinless thighs. And everything I was reading about with boneless, skinless thighs, be careful because they're going to dry out quick, right? Uh, You don't want to overcook them. You want to pull them at temp. So I got them into 165, pulled them off. Uh, Chef Cuso, Jack Mancuso, uh, I follow him on Instagram. He's got, you know, if you don't follow him, he's a Bills fan, lives in Rochester, it's got these Cuso rubs, uh, and he had a lemon pepper, and I have this citric, uh, citrus peppery one as well. So I combined the two, smoked them for two and a half hours. We then cut them up and put them in a uh, low-carb wrap um, with tzatziki sauce, uh, lettuce to- or, uh, tomato, uh, t- chopped up red onion, and some feta, and it was outstanding. And the smoked chicken was maybe one of the best I've ever had. So- now I'm going to do smoked chicken and it's healthy because I'm not, I'm not really doing any marinade. I'm just using a, a dry rub that's got, you know, salt, pepper, and some lemon pepper. Um, and I'm actually just really starting to enjoy the process of, you know, using different rubs and timing out the cook, right. And, you know, pulling in like on Bruce on, on small, not small, but you know, standard size thighs. I had a beautiful red smoke ring and I was like, 
not only are these absolutely fantastic and super tasty, um, but the cook on them is perfect. I, it, it, I felt very accomplished. Like I finally hit my first really good to elite level cook. Now the first, um, the first corned beef I did, the pastrami that I made was really, really good. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like I was, it was a kind of easy setup for success. I didn't have to use my own marinade. Didn't have to use my, it's corned beef. Um, so I think this was kind of my first real above average to really darn good smoke. And I'm excited. I got uh, our fantasy, uh, a fantasy draft of mine, of my buddies. They're all coming over on a Monday on Labor Day. I'm going to smoke the crap. I'm going to make some of those sandwiches, do smoked wings. Um, so now I think to me, just smoking anything, I'm, I'm really starting to get into the, uh, I get why people do it sort of thing, you know? My favorite part of prepping food for me is anytime I get to use the sous vide. I absolutely love also sous vide. great. Yep. I always feel like I'm, I'm doing chemistry work. I always feel like I'm doing chemistry because it's, it's a little bit almost more scientific, more yeah, almost mechanical You're than like, it is anything else. And if no one's ever seen a sous vide, like I got like a nice bin set up. Some people just mm -hmm. have the sous vide and they put it in a, in a big pot. Um, Ooh, I big, have a thing. big plastic bin that has yep. its own little Cover. hole cut out for the yep. circulator. You yeah. get it exactly. Yeah. So that I've, I've got that whole situation. They'll be like, you, you cook food in that. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you do want to throw the crust on at the end. You want to have a really high feet, a uh, high flame, high heat flame to throw it on to get that texture on the outside. But I have yet to come across a piece of beef. Uh, chicken's really good this way. Um, I've yet to come across a piece of beef that I wasn't like, that was elite whenever it's been uh, sous vide. And then, you know, high temp seared. It's just the way to go. And that's the other part of it. The other part of it is the getting the cast iron skillet to screaming hot temperatures, laying down some avocado oil, of course, because avocado yep. has the highest, you know, highest uh, smoke point and laying it down calculating the exact amount of time it needs to stay on each side you're manipulating it very slowly to try and get the nice crust it it feels like halfway between chemistry and manipulating beakers mm. and halfway painting when you're doing it like you're painting like you're an artist that is a strange it's a strange thing for me where the art and the science parts of my brain get to converge in this one. It's like the a little bit like the NFL draft for me. The NFL draft is my favorite time of year because I'm a huge college football fan and I'm a huge NFL fan. And for one night, those things overlap. And then the second night comes around, they overlap again. The third night comes around, the third day basically comes around and they, they overlap again. And I actually go through small amounts of depression when the draft hey. is over because that's how much I love the NFL draft. And it for me, fantastic. That is the way that sous vide feels. I just did a, a, a pork shoulder, a pulled pork shoulder in sous vide not too long ooh, ago. And ooh. I loved it. So me, to me, that is my absolute favorite part of preparing a dish. And so I would do typically steaks in the sous vide is what we do. So that's my absolute favorite. As far as beef. my beef, least favorite beef. Beef. Can beef. I, do, do you want to know what uh, is next? Uh, you know what I'm doing Sunday? What are you doing Sunday? I got I got one ch chuck roast. I'm gonna go get another one. So a solid, you know, big piece of chuck. I got one thawing. I'm gonna go to Wegmans this weekend to grab another one, and I'm gonna do beef burnt ends. Nice. Smoke 
and then pull, cut up, throw them in, barbecue sauce, butter, cover, throw it in for two more hours. I'm excited. I am excited. It's my first burnt end experience. Like I've never, I've never made them before. They're probably so okay. So I the traditional way is pork belly. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, you get you get the texture of the skin, especially if you do it right. Um, that could be the elite one, but the beef one has just got a little different level of depth of play, depth of flavor, especially with a barbecue sauce. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna use some of this mustard I got here to make like a really good, delicious oniony barbecue sauce. Um, I'm excited. I'll I'll send you pics. Okay, duly noted. My least favorite part of anything is anytime I have to get stuff on my hands. I am the same way. I do not like getting stuff on my hands. I feel like such a baby uh, I, about it. So funny story. I don't know if we've, we've ever talked about this before, but there is a kindergarten finger painting example of Bruce Nolan out there. And I'll never forget that my mother comes to pick me up that day from kindergarten and my teacher shows her the finger painting that the entire class did and what they did was they made turkeys by putting their hands in paint and then putting the hands on the yeah. paper well everyone else had full handprints and mine looked like a jackson pollock painting where he just kind of flicked the paint at the thing and the teacher just looked at me the teacher just looked at me and she looked back at my mother and she said um so we just went ahead and just did this and so that's what we did and it was uh it was a good time so moving along let's go winners and losers okay winners and losers in this week in the nfl so winners and losers this week in the nfl let's go with Winners. Winners this week in the NFL. You want to go first? Or want me to go first? Nate? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go back to earlier in the program. Khalil Shakir. Um, everything that you saw at Boise State on film, the smoothness in and out of routes, the understanding of, of leverage and how to get open, how to find space, uh, how to rear up right so he he does a good job of gearing up and gearing down in his routes where it looks like he's he's kind of going from full speed to quarter speed to, to three quarter speed to to full speed just to kind of go up and down and i i love that smoothness in his game um he looks like to me bruce that and i don't want to i'm not going to make this my biggest loser of the week but one of them in consideration has to be Jamison Crowder. He has the ball. Now I know it wasn't a great throw to him, but the ball goes off his hands. It's his only target of the game. It's an interception. And you have Khalil Shakir who played a majority of that game on the outside. Now you have a guy, you know, that could play inside already is now playing outside. If you're talking about maybe Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Hodgins making the roster. And if you want to keep Jay Kumro for the special teams, well, if so facto, I'm having a tough time finding Isaiah or uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, a, a roster spot. So, um, I've got to say, I really, I think one of the biggest winners this week from preseason heads was definitely Khalil Shakir. Yeah. So for me, the biggest winner of this week was exactly what you just said. Isaiah Hodgins. Mm. Isaiah Hodgins went from, we don't think he's going to make the team. We just assume he's not to maybe we bumping other people off the roster for him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Very quickly. So 
that to me is an absolute an absolute w because anytime you go from an afterthought to Front hey of there's something brain. here yep. i think that matters so for me we're starting to do like you just saw we ipso facto we're starting to do ipso factos <laughs> is what we're starting to do right and if we're starting Multiple to do ipso that. factos we're doing it specifically because Isaiah Hodges looks good. Yeah. So just like I don't want to, you know, throw my hands up in the paint, right? I also don't want to, you know, dive into Isaiah Hodgins after he's been hurt for two years. That's you right. You're, 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 you don't want to get hurt again. Yeah. Teacher says he just doesn't want to do this. Well, I just don't want to do this either, right? I just don't want to stick my hands in the Isaiah Hodgins paint, but you cannot deny that it is a scenario where he's starting to have a conversation that's being made in Bill's Mafia specifically about him. And he's starting to get rewarded by playing with the ones during practice. I, that matters. I, I don't know how you can I don't know how you can not look at this last week of camp because the buzz was there for Isaiah Hodgins before the game. And then he played well in the game. And now there's some buzz of him playing with the ones and getting the reward of those reps. I mean, this has been a monumental week. We didn't talk about Isaiah Hodgins at all. One time this off season. All. Nope. This off season until like last week. And now all of a sudden we're bumping Jamison Crowder off the roster in our heads. So that's a W. I will take that. Every single day of the week. 100%. So, um, my biggest loser this week, it's the entire Cleveland Browns organization. What oh an God, absolute yeah. disaster. What a complete disaster. What exactly did you think was going to happen? Did you not think you were going to get any of those questions? <laughs> did you not think no, they knew. anyone was going to ask? You you looked unprepared from the beginning for this entire thing. You were unprepared at the first press conference. You're unprepared at the last press conference. What were you doing in the meantime? Also, who do you have at PR? Who is your PR guy? Are you ignoring them? I I could do a much better job. I could do a much better job if they're looking. I saw your tweet on that. I'm available for hire. I'm expensive, but there's no way I'm as expensive and as poor as the people that they have. It's insane. So biggest loser, hundred percent biggest loser, Cleveland Browns organization, Nate. So obviously that's the biggest loser this week, but the second biggest loser drum roll, please. Hold on. The fans of the masked singer, because it is true. Tom Brady is not missing camp because of the masked singer. So he's missing training camp for some other reason. I'm also maybe saying the biggest losers might be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because is Tom Brady about to leave him high and dry, Bruce? I don't think so. It something's seems, going on. It's something's going on, but it seems very, very unlikely that someone with that type of competitive spirit would just not have He's it at Tom all. Tom Brady. I know, but I just I don't think he would sign up for it and then two months later go. Maybe. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe, but I also don't want to put anything past him. He's kind of a. I mean, the, the last quarterback to retire at this spot 
or walk away at this spot was Andrew Luck. And he did it because he was beat the crap up. Yeah. And maybe it's not beat the crap up, but he just is like, I'm, I, I want to hang on my kids. Yeah, but he spent a couple months with his kids and decided to come back. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or maybe. He said, screw them kids. But like, what's he doing? Like, how, how, I know you're Tom Brady, so you can be away from training camp as long as you want. But like, 10 days, at least is what it's going to be. 10 days. Yeah. I don't know, Bruce. I don't know. There's something sketchy going on. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Tom there Brady's, is. I, Tom Brady's bleep does stink after all. I, I, it does, I bleeped it that does out stink. for you. I bleeped that out. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Because okay. I always have to go back and what I have to do I is know, I have to change all the audio levels. And if we say bad word, I have to, we haven't done that in a long time. But one time when it was back when I used to do the show with Nick, we would put in um, sounds of like dolphins and like quack like, noises. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. Every time, man, what the, you know, like get all sorts of strange farm animal noises and things like that to throw in when one of us said a bad word. And it was always him, of course, because I yeah, would never, yeah, ever. Right, you're, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah. No, I'm a gentleman and a scholar. I would never do that. But Nate, we did it. We always we do, did the thing. Way. We always do it. We, all, we, we consistently do the thing, yeah. the thing that we did. So for all those out there watching this show around the world, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And anytime you want to talk about football and you want a food metaphor, you know who to call. When there are food metaphors to be made, we will be there for you. And we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you're not a masked singer fan. And most importantly of all, we hope you didn't leave hungry. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.